listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. This will help you to understand the supernatural realm, which is not talked about enough. Uh, As I said, hey, Alessia, as I said, you know, in our generation, we really are trying to solve spiritual problems with natural solutions, and it doesn't work. You've got to have a spiritual solution for a spiritual problem. And uh, that's why we're dealing with this, because when you understand, and again, I'll say it again, um, we're not magnifying demons and we're not magnifying uh, the devil or the demonic realm. But as Paul taught, we're not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. We learn how uh, to deal with the attacks of the enemy so that we can walk in total victory. There are far too many Christians that are living below their means and living uh, below uh, the best that God has for them because they don't understand uh, the supernatural realm. They don't understand how to operate in the supernatural power of God. And we dealt yesterday with the fact that the greater one is on the inside of you greater than the spirit of Antichrist. So anything that opposes Christ, that opposes the anointing and the anointed one, is not as great as the Holy Spirit that lives within you. So we're, what truly what this series is doing, we're magnifying Jesus, we're magnifying the Holy Spirit and his power in the believer, and teaching you how to operate in the supernatural realm and to come against uh, every fiery dart of the wicked one with the shield of faith. So we're dealing with that. Just in case anybody thinks that, you know, you see the graphic, you see the titles and you think we're magnifying the demonic realm, not at all. We're just being aware of the fact that there is a supernatural realm in which we have to deal uh, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so that's why we're dealing with this. Hey, Britt, good morning to you. Uh, Judy, glad you're on today. Glad to see you. Jennifer Causey, great to have everybody. Listen, do me a favor. If you've not done so yet, please take a minute to share this broadcast as we're jumping into the teaching today. Uh, it helps and people get a hold of this. And uh, it, it not only does it help people understand, but it literally bl- brings deliverance to people. We have uh, testimonies of people watching the broadcast, being touched by the power of God. And uh, we want to see God touch his people. I see Stephanie. Good to see you. Love you and Roberto very much. Um, let's jump in. So I, today I told you, of course, yesterday we started this nine uh, evil spirits that must be dealt with. And I was really only able to get through five of those in the time we had yesterday. So today I'm going to deal with the other four. Three of these, as you saw in the title, are spirits that are sent to harass believers. And as you'll see, as I teach on them, are harassing believers on a large scale, not only in the United States, but around the world and how you to deal with these three. And then a bonus. I'm going to deal with a fourth because uh, it's not necessarily a spirit that is sent to harass the believer, although it is a spirit that must be cast out and dealt with. Paul dealt with it in the New Testament. So I'll start there 
because uh, I'll, I'll finish with the three that are sent to harass believers specifically. So let's start in Acts chapter 16. And um, uh, if you're still taking notes from yesterday, this would be spirit number six that we're dealing with. Yesterday, we dealt with spirits one through five that must be dealt with. And uh, you can go back and watch that if you missed it. But today we're going to deal with six through nine. And uh, this is number six, which I'm calling the bonus today. And uh, it's what Paul dealt with in Acts chapter 16. And that is number six, the spirit of divination, the spirit of divination. And Paul dealt with it. Let's look at that in Acts chapter 16. Uh, The Bible says that... Let me see where I want to start. Uh, let's start with verse 16, Acts 16, 16. The Bible says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gained by fortune telling. So that, that word divination, really that's what it is. It's the act of by sorcery or magic trying to tell the future. Fortune tellers, mediums, psychics, that kind of a thing. And it's, uh, the Bible calls it a spirit of divination. This girl um, was really being used by a spirit of divination uh, to... She was having people pay, as we have many people that try to do that today, pay to have your fortune told or to uh, learn about the future. And she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, (laughs) having become greatly annoyed because demon spirits are annoying, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And obviously it ticked off the men that were making money off this girl. And so they came uh, against uh, Paul and Silas. This is obviously why they uh, went to prison because uh, they came against them for this. But I want you to notice a couple things from this story. Number one, notice that Uh, I pointed this out the other day as well. Notice that this girl, though possessed by a demon, didn't say anything wrong necessarily. Look at what she said. She was crying out. What was she saying? She was saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. All those things are true. They were servants of the most high God. They were proclaiming the way of salvation. The demon wasn't lying. It was not a lying spirit. It was saying the truth. But notice something because we dealt with the fact that demons and demon spirits can be sensed and discerned. It's just one of the aspects of the gift of the spirit, discerning of spirits. As you'll see in, in uh, the book that my father's getting ready to release called The Camels Are Coming, it's the, uh, on the gifts of the spirit. Uh, what you'll see as you read about the d- discerning of spirits, uh, demons are not the only spirit that you can discern as a believer. It's the lowest form, demons, and then you can discern the spirit of a man, and then you can discern spirits of angels, and then you can discern the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. And so notice that Paul recognized 
just by being around this girl and hearing her speak that she had a demon spirit. He discerned it. He knew it. Even though she was saying something that was true about them. These are men of God. They're proclaiming the way of salvation, but it, it was grinding at his spirit. And the Bible says he became greatly annoyed with this girl, greatly annoyed. Well, that, the reason he did is because he was sensing the demon spirit that was uh, prodding her to say what she was saying. And he was uh, tired of it and turned around and cast the demon out of the girl in the name of Jesus. Notice there was no massive battle here. He didn't have to get Silas to join hands with him. He didn't need the, all the other disciples, you know, to come. I need you to come join me here. I need all of us to just join our faith together. Everybody just stretch your hands toward this girl right now. We just need to stretch. No, he didn't have to do any of that. He didn't have to do any of that. There was enough power in the name of Jesus and the anointing that was on the inside of Paul that he just turned around and he commanded that demon to leave the girl and it had to leave. It had to leave the same anointing that was in Jesus to cast out devils and the same anointing that were in the apostles of the lamb. Those are the ones Jesus handpicked. Those were his 12 disciples. We'll call them the apostles of the lamb. The same anointing that was in them to cast out demons, the same anointing that was in the 70 that Jesus sent out that came back and said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. The same anointing that was in the 70 is the same anointing that was in Paul. And he turned around and he cast the demon out of the girl without sweat, without a problem. He didn't have to sit there and battle for six hours. It's not like the movie, The Exorcist. You have to keep trying, keep going back, keep trying. No, he just cast it out and it had to obey the words of the man of God. That same anointing, that same spirit dwells in you today. That same anointing is on the inside of you. Uh, Emmy, go ahead and ask your question. Any questions are fine. Uh, Zariah, it doesn't, it does almost seem like a mocking spirit. Like she was saying it, uh, you know, in mockery, but that demon got cast out. And so I want you to hear this today, that same anointing that was in every man of God, in Jesus' day, the disciples, the 70, the Christians, all of those on the day of Pentecost and after is the same anointing that's on the inside of you to cast out demon spirits. In fact, the, and now here's something, here's something that'll blow your mind. If you read the ending of the gospel of Mark, of course, we have the great commission and the Bible says in Mark 16, I believe it's verse 17 that they shall cast out devils or cast out demons. Did you ever ask yourself, who is that talking about? You know, when I was younger, without a close reading of Mark 16, I used to think that the ones that were laying their hands on the sick, the ones that were casting out devils, the ones that were speaking with new tongues were those that were sent out to preach the gospel to every nation. That's who I thought it was. But if you read Mark 16, that's not who it's talking about. Notice who it's talking about. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Those that believe and are baptized will be saved. 
Those that do not believe will be damned. Now catch this. And these signs will follow them that believe. Then it lists the signs in my name. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay their hands on the sick. If they eat or drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. Who's that talking about? It's talking about the people that get saved. So in one context, think of this, think of it this way. The Bible's telling us here that the new believers, the ones that are just getting saved will cast out devils. The ones that are just getting saved will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. See, sometimes we look at these signs and we think, oh, that's only for uh, the ones that have been Christians for 30 years. That's only for the Christians that have been around for 50 years. That's for the saints of the church. That's for the older, more mature. That's not what the Bible's teaching. The Bible is teaching that it will be those who are just converted that will operate in the same power, hallelujah, that will operate in the same power that the apostles did. They will lay their hands on the sick. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will eat or drink any deadly thing. It shall not harm them. It's talking about those that have just heard the gospel and have believed and are baptized. Isn't that powerful? Carol said, I was told I'm not ready to cast out a demon. Well, if you are a Christian that's filled with the Holy Ghost, you are always ready to cast out devils. Because notice this, it's not you, but it's the Holy Ghost in you. That's the, that's the important point. You can never feel insignificant in the face of supernatural adversity because it's not you. You're not going in there by yourself. The Holy Spirit, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And that's what the devil has to respond to. That and the name of Jesus. And he says, how do we know if we're giving the devil too much credit? Sometimes I feel like I'm being attacked when things just keep coming at you and you feel like you're drowning, but I think I'm doing something wrong. So how do I know it's an attack or it's me? That's an excellent question from Emmy. Excellent question from Emmy because I've dealt with this in teaching before. In some ways, Emmy's right. We do give the devil too much credit a lot of times. There are people who will just make bad decisions. And remember this, and I want you to put it in the comments. Every decision you make, or make it personal, every decision I make is a seed. I want you to put that in the comments. Thank you, Emmy, for asking that question. It's an excellent question. Every decision I make is a seed. I want you to put that in the, in the comments section. Every decision I make is a seed. So that means that every decision you make will have a harvest. Think of that. Every decision I make will have a harvest. No question about that. And so there are things we do that will produce reactions in life. And so it's important to acknowledge and recognize that some things, and I would, I would argue, I honestly would argue that a lot of the things that happen to believers 
that they blame the devil for is really just a harvest of bad decisions they've made. (laughs) So let, let me give you an example. You can't say that the devil's been attacking your finances when you have poor spending habits, you don't save, you do what the Bible says not to do and spend all you have. The Bible says a fool spends all that he has. So you spend all you have, you have poor spending habits. You don't save money. You're not a good steward of what God has given you. You don't tithe. You're not a giver. And so then you're in a place of run out. Then you're in a place of, I don't have enough. And then you're in a place of, I'm struggling financially. Man, the devil's been attacking my finance. Devil's not touched your finances. The devil has not touched your finances. He hasn't touched your finances. You've made poor decisions. It's a seed that will cause you to reap a harvest of not enough. You see what I mean? It's not a spiritual thing in one sense. Obviously, tithing is a spiritual thing because it's given by God. Giving is a spiritual thing because it's given by God. Stewardship's a, uh, a spiritual thing because it's given by God. But it's not, what I mean is, it's not a demon attacking you. It's not the devil coming at your finances. It's us making bad decisions that go against the instruction of God's word and then reaping a harvest for our own poor seeds that we're sowing by action. I'll give you another one. Do you know how much shorter the prayer line for healing would be in our churches if people made decisions that were wise decisions to steward their physical bodies? Do you realize that in America, we, we have a very common uh, uh, dieting error, which we, we have a generation that is eating a high carb, high sugar diet, high preservative diet. And what's, what's the result of that? The result of it is that we've got two thirds of Americans that are either, uh, excuse me, one third of Americans that are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. I'm going to say that again so that you, so that this sinks in. The majority of Americans are eating a high carb, high sugar diet. And now what's the result? We have one third of Americans that are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. And then you can't say, well, the devil's been attacking my health. No, you've been hammering your pancreas for the past 25 years. You've been hammering your body. It's like, it's as foolish as going out to the shed taking a hammer, putting your thumb on the, on the workbench and just smashing it every morning and then coming to church and holding that thumb up and saying, pray for me, guys. The devil's really been attacking my thumb. Devil's not been atta- attacking your thumb. You've been smashing it every morning with a hammer. And people say, well, uh, the devil's been attacking my body. He's not been attacking your body. You've been smashing your body with your own actions and diet and choices of what you're eating. And so a lot of things we attribute to evil spirits, to demons, it is not demons. It is not evil spirits. It is uh, literally bad choices, which 
uh, are causing there to be bad actions. Now, I'm going to deal with this today. And Carol said, wouldn't you say we shouldn't say sickness is of the devil? Then no, I would not say that because I'm going to deal with that as one of the spirits that's sent to harass believers today. We're going to deal with that. And there are some sicknesses and diseases caused by spirits. But it's right. Isaiah has done such a great job. He says in the comments, by the way, making the right health decisions is such an easy thing to do. Isaiah has just lost uh, over a hundred pounds now, a hundred pounds. My hat is off to him. Uh, He's done an amazing job. And how long did that take you, Isaiah? Has it been a year, one year, a hundred pounds in a year? Amazing. And so uh, I, I say that so that we don't give the devil too much credit because many times we want, we want our, our uh, responsibilities to not be in front of us, but we want to blame everything on the devil. (laughs) We, we don't want responsibilities. We don't want to have to do the right things. We want to, if we have something bad happen, we want to just throw that thing off on Satan and say, yeah, the devil's been attacking my finances. Devil's been attacking my body. One and a half years. Excellent job, Isaiah. That's about what? That's close to, that's about just under 10 pounds a month. Amazing. So you think about this. I agree with Emmy. In many ways, we have given the devil too much credit. The body of Christ is filled with the power of God and we have the mind of Christ. It is not a hard thing to have more than enough. Whew, that blows people's minds. It is not, it is not a hard thing to have more than enough. If we just simply do what the Bible says to do. It's about discipline. It's about spiritual discipline. That's one of the things that nobody wants to talk about. Spiritual discipline, spiritual responsibility. Isn't that interesting? Where there is no vision, people perish. But look at a more modern translation of that verse. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Man, hold on now. Let me Let me show you something on this before we move on. Where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. You know what that means? Purpose gives you parameters. Put that in the comments. Purpose gives me parameters. Purpose gives me parameters. That means if I've got a goal, it doesn't just tell me what I should do. It tells me what I shouldn't do. Purpose gives me parameters parameters. Without vision, people cast off restraint. They don't restrain themselves because they are not pushing towards a specific vision. Let me give you a very basic uh, definition of what I mean. If you're going somewhere that you don't know how to get to and you put it in your GPS, guess what that means? It doesn't just tell you what you should do to get there. It tells you what you shouldn't do to get there, right? In 500 feet, turn right. You know what that means? It also means in 500 feet, don't stay straight. (laughs) Notice that the GPS has put parameters on your trip to get you where you want to go. Why? There's a clear vision. I want to arrive at this place. And if I do, 
then that just doesn't tell me what I should do. It tells me what I shouldn't do, right? In 500 feet, turn right. That means in 500 feet, don't stay straight. (laughs) Hey, Ted, good morning. And so purpose gives you parameters. It's the same in anything. If you want to have extra money, then those parameters that, yes, I should save, but I also shouldn't spend all that I have. I want to be healthy. That means that I should eat proper foods, but it also means that I shouldn't binge eat junk foods. It puts parameters on you. If you want to go to a a destination, it doesn't just tell you what you should do. It tells you what you shouldn't do. You see, so purpose gives me parameters. That's why without vision, people cast off restraint. If there's no goal, you can do whatever you want. If you're not going to a specific location, you can drive your car anywhere you want to drive your car and be happy about it because you weren't shooting for any, you can't ever say, well, we didn't get where we were going. You weren't going anywhere. You weren't going anywhere. That's why I say it's important to have vision, a goal. What are you trying to do? And that's how you, and to answer Emmy's question, and it's a great question, that's how you can truly see, is this something the devil's doing? Or can I tie this back to something that I've been doing, right? Is this something the devil's doing or can I tie this reaction back to one of my actions? And that'll help you to see it. That'll help you to know. So divination, let me just, let me just finish this bonus before we move on to the three. Uh, This spirit of divination, it blows my mind how much money, and I put it in one of my books, I think it's in Praise, Laugh, Repeat. But it blows my mind how much money that people spend annually on psychic hotlines. Someone did a study on it, I list the study in the book. It blows my mind how much money people are willing to spend on psychic hotlines. Now, the, peop- the person on the other end may not even claim to be a psychic. They're just working as one for the company. But there are people that, can, that claim to be a psychic, a medium, somebody that's truly operating by a spirit of divination. It's demons. It's a demon. And you know why it is? Because people, as a spirit person, everybody's a spirit person. Whether you're saved or unsaved, you are a spirit. That spirit will either spend eternity in heaven or hell. As a spirit person, person, we have a desire to know about the future. We have a desire to know about the future. That's why people are doing it so much. That's why it's happening so often. And that's why that if it's not the Holy Spirit who's telling you of things to come, it will be a demon that will accommodate you. If you're not a Christian, And if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, reading Bible prophecy, listening in that way, it will be a demon spirit that will accommodate you because people have this desire to know about the future. So number six of the nine that we're dealing with from yesterday and today is a spirit of divination and Paul cast it out without a problem and kept moving. Now, today, let me deal with what I call, and these are the final of the nine, final three of the nine. These are the three spirits that I see the most attacking the body of Christ. 
attacking Christians. And I called it three spirits sent to harass the believer. And that's what we're going to deal with today is these final three of the nine, which I see all the time, all the time in almost every church, everywhere I go preach, everybody that I deal with. Uh, I see these three constantly, constantly. And so let's, let's get into it. Second Timothy chapter one. Let's go there first. Second Timothy one. Uh, this would be spirit number seven of the nine we're dealing with. Number seven, the spirit of fear, the spirit of fear. I want you to put it in the comments. Number seven, the spirit of fear. Again, if you're just logging on or if you're listening on the podcast, uh, we started this list yesterday and we're continuing on today. So, uh, spirits one through five were yesterday. Today is spirits six through nine. And this is number seven, the spirit of fear, the spirit of fear. I can't tell you how much we've seen that over the past year and a half. And I'm sure you can attest to that fact. Even Christians operating in a spirit of fear. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. More Christians operating in the spirit of fear, like we're seeing today. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. But Paul dealt with that when he, when he was writing to his son in the gospel, Timothy, Timothy, the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And, uh, Timothy was a younger man, the spiritual son of Paul. This is Paul's last letter before his death written from Rome. And Paul says this to Timothy, he says, uh, verse seven, actually let's start with verse six. Then we'll go to verse seven for this reason. I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Power, love, and self-control. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So a spirit of fear, if you're dealing with a spirit of fear, then you're not dealing with a spirit that comes from God or is instituted by the Holy Spirit. It's an evil spirit, the spirit of fear. <laughs> I laugh because one time I had a, a, a professor say to me, he said, now, now guys, if you understand this passage, you know, spirit, Paul's not actually talking about a demon spirit of fear because in context, if you read it that way, you'd have to also say that power, love, and a sound mind, uh, or self-control are also spirits. And I thought to myself, uh, yeah, they are also spirits. <laughs> power is the Holy spirit. The Bible says, and you shall receive power after the Holy spirits come upon you. So the Holy spirit is the spirit of power power, love. The Bible says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the Bible tells us God is love. So love is the, the spirit of love is the spirit of God. And then of course, self-control or a sound mind, whether you look at it as peace or of self-control, those are fruit of the spirit, which means that whether you're talking about the spirit of peace or the spirit of self-control, you're again talking about the Holy Spirit. These are spiritual things. It's not natural things. These are spiritual things. 
The spirit of fear opposes you. The spirit of peace, the spirit of love, the spirit of power are working on your behalf. And so it's, it's a spirit that Paul's dealing with, the spirit of fear. You take authority over it. You take authority over it. You do not allow your life to be governed by a spirit of fear. And you know how I know it's true? Is there, I've, I've seen people and know people that have dealt with this spirit of fear when there's literally nothing to be afraid of. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people that are, and I'm not talking about children, I'm talking about adults that are in their homes afraid, that are in their rooms at night afraid, can't go to sleep, filled with fear, and there's nothing even to be afraid of. Literally, it's not, their fear's not based on something that's going on in their life. You know, they're afraid that they're about to file bankruptcy. They're afraid that their husband's going to leave them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are uh, in their homes. People, yeah, literally Liz says it's what they diagnose as anxiety. You suffer with anxiety and anxiety attacks. What is that? There's nothing to be afraid of. It's just people that suffer with fear. It's not a mental illness. It's not a, it's not a, 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 it's a spirit. How do you explain somebody who is deathly afraid when there's nothing to be afraid of? How do you deal with people that will not leave their home? And I'm not talking about during the pandemic. I'm talking about before March, 2020 ever happened. This is an actual, what do they call those people? Uh, is, Is that called agoraphobia? Is that what the name of that is? Agoraphobia, people that are afraid to leave their house. Somebody can give it to me if, it's, if they Google it. I think it's called agoraphobia. But people that are afraid to leave their house. What would cause somebody? There's nothing out there that's nothing to be afraid of. Why won't they leave their house? A spirit of fear has overtaken them. They won't go out. They won't go out. What's the deal with that? It's a spirit of fear. Agoraphobia. So that is correct. A spirit of fear. That's not normal. It's not normal to just not be able to go out of your house because you're so afraid. Having anxiety attacks for no reason. Nothing wrong. It just comes on you. It's a spirit of fear. You've got to cast it out. You've got to take authority over it and get it out of your life. It is not from God, it is from the devil. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love. You know what the Bible says? Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's right. Isn't that, Isaiah said, it's the wild thing is this, how... Uh, is how you know it's a spirit because there's no logical way to get rid of it. Doctors only prescribe medications. Exactly right. They're just treating the thing. They're not getting rid of the thing. That's a spirit. You can't medicate a spirit. You can literally, you can zombify somebody so that their mind is not active like it was, but that doesn't get rid of the spirit. But perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So the spirit of fear, and I've seen it, and you've seen it. You've seen it. People just going crazy. I was in the other day, I was out the other day. I saw a dude with three masks on and a face shield. Three masks and a face shield. Buddy, 
you might as well get yourself a hazmat suit. I told the lady she was insane because she was trying to make me put on a second mask. The only reason I had it on, I had to go in to get a gift for somebody. I walked into a store and, she, and I had a mask on. She was like, hey, I'll help you in a minute, but before I can help you, I need you to put another mask on. I said, another mask? She said, yeah, I need you to put a second mask on be in this store. I said, that's insane. And if you believe that, you're insane. First of all, they've already proven masks don't even work. They don't even work. And you got people that have lost their minds wearing three masks and a face shield, afraid, afraid of what's going to happen. I'm just telling you, there are people that have given themselves over to a spirit of fear. It's crazy. Now, there is a difference between a spirit of fear and taking actions based on fear. There is a difference. I'll give you an example. And I made, my, I made sure I would never do this again. Maybe you've heard me tell the story of the uh, September 11th, 2001, when the Twin Towers fell. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was, uh, I was in class. They pulled us in to the sanctuary and told us what happened. They told us the Twin Towers had fallen. They told us the people had died. We began to pray for the nation. And then President Bush declared to a joint session of Congress that there was, America was engaging in a war on terror. Uh, and then I left. And as I left school that day, my phone was blowing up. I mean, blowing up, blowing up. And people were saying, oh, did you hear what happened? You better get food in your house. You better get gas in your car and all this stuff. You better hunker down because you know all the. You're not going to be able to travel. You're not going to be able to get gas. You're not going to be able to get food. I, I mean, later on I thought this, but then I thought, why? Why? Because two buildings fell down in New York City, would I not be able to get gas in Tulsa, Oklahoma? I mean, just think logically. I thought to myself, if I had just been thinking logically, see, but fear takes you out of logical thinking. Takes you out of logical thinking. And, and, and I thought to myself, oh, I got to get gas. I got to get down there and get, I believed it. So I hustled down to the gas station. Now this is at a time that in Tulsa, Oklahoma, gas was at 98 cents a gallon in 2001, 98 cents a gallon. I drove down, got, I got there. There was already a massive line at the pumps by my house. And I swung my car into line. And I'm sitting there just, oh, God, let there be gas for me. Don't let them run out of gas. Let there be gas for me. And the people that owned the gas station weren't dumb. They had already bumped the prices up to like $3.50 or something. $3, $3.50 from 98 cents. And so I go in and I'm in line and I'm hoping, oh, let there be gas for me. I get up, pull up. I pump my car. I was like, oh, thank you, God. And I'm in there pumping gas in at $3.50 a gallon when it was 98 cents. I go home all happy and excited. Oh, thank, thank God, I got gas. I come back the next day, the next morning to go to school. I pass the same gas station, no line. Gas is back down to 98 cents a gallon. I could have kicked myself. I thought, you dummy. You bought into the lie and spent all that extra money. And I made a, 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 a decision that day. I said, I am never again, never again going to make any decision 
based on fear ever again. I made up my mind. I was like, I'm done with this. This is stupid beyond stupid, beyond stupid. I will never again make another decision based on fear. And I've not done it. I'll give you an example. Just happened this week. Raise your hand in the comments if you've seen the pipeline issue, the hacked gas pipeline that of course flows, you know, uh, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and then over towards the West. How many of you have seen the hacked gas pipeline uh, that we had here and it caused four to 6% of the gas stations to run out of gas, people, long lines at the gas stations, all that stuff. Uh, you see, and they say it's over now, they fixed it and everything. But can I tell you how dumb this stuff is and people get, start making decisions based on fear? I live in South Florida. I live about 50 minutes north of Miami, okay? We don't get our gas from that pipeline. We don't get our gas. Our gas is not supplied from that pipeline that was hacked. However, all these people here in South Florida, based upon fear and media frenzy, started hitting all the gas stations and come home yesterday and there's gas stations packed with lines. There's not going to be any gas. We don't even get our gas from that pipeline. <laughs> but what are people doing? They're making decisions based on fear. And I made up my mind. I am never again going to make any decision based on fear. I'm not doing it. It's stupid to do. And God's not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. I'm not buying. Listen, I'm not going to go buy a metal shipping container and bury it in the ground somewhere in the country and get myself a bunker packed with rations and packed with, you know, bags of rice, you know, freeze dried foods. You know, I'm, I'm not doing it. If God can't take care of me, take me out of this world. If God can't take care of me, and I'm not against planning, trust me, not against savings accounts, not against emergency funds, I'm not against planning, but I am against all this fear-based prepping. Fear-based prepping. It's one thing to plan, and the Bible teaches planning. It's another thing to engage in fear-based prepping. I'm not doing it. Not going to make decisions based on fear. I'll make decisions based on wisdom and biblical principles, but not on fear. Not doing it. And neither should you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You see that? So you've got to cast it out. You take authority over a spirit of fear. You take authority over it, you cast it out. And notice this. Two things. Number one, you've got authority over every demon spirit because of the Holy Ghost. And number two, perfect love. If you'll stay in the presence of God, which is the love of God, he is love. If you'll stay in his presence, it casts out fear. Fear cannot stay in his presence. Depression can't stay in his presence. The Bible says fullness of joy is in his presence. Let me just say, and I've preached this for years, you can't be in fullness of depression and fullness of joy at the same time, but in the same way, you can't be in the fullness of fear and anxiety and the fullness of joy at the same time. 
That's because God is love. He's perfect love and perfect love casts out all fear. If I'm in his presence, engaging in his presence, fear has to go. Depression has to go. Heaviness has to go. Anxiety has to go in his presence. The key, stay in his presence and take authority by the Holy Ghost over the spirit of fear and cast it out in Jesus name. Cast it out. Okay, let me deal with this now. That, that was number seven. Here's number eight. Here's number eight. It's an unclean spirit. An unclean spirit. And actually, there's a lot in the Bible to be said about this. The unclean spirit manifests in multiple ways. But you see it. Um, you see it multiple times through the Gospels. This is number eight, an unclean spirit. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 12. That's it. Number eight is an unclean spirit. Matthew 12. And uh, let's look at verse 43. The Bible says, Now listen to this, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. And then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. So understand something. Someone asked this question earlier. Um, That's correct. And I want to make that distinction. Stephen says the spirit of fear isn't in spirit filled Christians just on them. That's correct because Christians can't be possessed by a demon spirit. And so I'm not suggesting that Christians are filled or possessed by a a spirit of fear, but in the same way that a spirit of heaviness will harass you, you know, a spirit of heaviness will come upon you. There are many Christians that deal with the spirit of fear and the spirit of heaviness or depression. doesn't mean you're possessed by a demon spirit, but it can try to attack you, try to come upon you. You still cast it out. You still take authority over it. You still cast it out, but it's a good distinction because we are staying with the thought Christians cannot be possessed by a demon spirit. I taught on that previously because how can a demon possess you when the Holy Spirit already possesses possesses you? Very important thought. So here in an unclean spirit, notice this. Someone asked this question earlier, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, and it's a good point to make here because the Bible says if that unclean spirit comes back and finds that house still swept and open, it not only will come back in, it'll bring seven spirits more evil than itself and come in. That's why it's important not just to cast out devils, but those people who get demons cast out of them, get them saved, (laughs) get them saved. You've heard me tell the story about the woman in Brazil a couple of years ago that came down during the salvation altar call, but she was possessed by two demon spirits. I cast two demons out of this girl. She was a woman and uh, took full grown men to hold her down. She was like five foot one took four, four full grown men to hold her down. And, uh, she was filled with the devil. I cast two out of her. She came to her senses, didn't even know where she was, 
came down, got saved, and then came through the prayer line, was anointed with oil to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what you want to do. If somebody is delivered from a demon, get that person saved. What you don't want happening is to cast a demon out of somebody and then literally let them go back into the world. Let those spirits come back more evil and vile than they were before. And that's the point of this passage. You start to realize, and Jesus said, that's how it'll be with this evil generation in this, in this final days. But I want to deal with this because Jesus cast out unclean spirits and they manifested in multiple different ways. Look, for example, at Mark chapter nine. This is an interesting one. Mark nine twenty-five. The Bible says, listen to Mark nine twenty-five. Listen to how this unclean spirit manifested in this boy. And, and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit. I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. So in this case, an unclean spirit that attacked, uh, that attacked this, um, this boy caused the boy to be mute and deaf. And we've seen deaf mutes healed supernaturally. We have one on a clip that was in Atlanta. Uh, it was a girl, I believe she was an Asian girl, uh, deaf and mute healed. There was a young man, African-American mother brought him down deaf and mute. Not only did he hear, he spoke and began to learn to speak. It's an unclean spirit. Now, again, how do you discern when not to do deliverance on certain people? Yaniel asked. It's a good question. How do you discern? The way that I've seen it in the past is you have people like this woman. It's interesting. This woman in Brazil came forward to be saved. But when she did and got closer to the altar, closer to the anointing, notice the demons in her began to, began to manifest. You notice that she came forward for salvation, but then the demons began to manifest. She desired to be saved. So once the demons were cast out and she was led in the sinner's prayer, we anointed her. But then there's other times that I've seen where a demon spirit is there to cause a disruption or to cause trouble. And then when the anointing begins to manifest that, that person that's filled with the devil. See, here's the thing that you have to realize. There are people, and this is a very sad thing, but it's very true. And I've seen it. There are people who want to be delivered and there are people who don't want to be delivered. There are simply people who don't want to be delivered. Sad. And if someone doesn't want to be delivered, there's nothing you can do because they've taken ownership. They want that. They want that in their life. They want to have that in their life. It's things that they do 
that they like to do that have opened up the door to the spirit realm that they want. They don't, they're not willing to get rid of those things. They're not really willing to get out of that lifestyle. They don't want to change. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to force, I mean, you can't, but I'm not going to try to force somebody who doesn't want to be delivered from somebody that does. And Janine, a lot of times, the way that you can tell the difference between somebody that wants to be delivered and somebody that does not want to is in this case that I'm talking about now. Here's a woman who didn't get up and scream and run out of the church, as I've seen happen. People get up and scream and cause a scene and then flee. We were in Paris, France, and we were coming down the street one time. And a guy was sitting at a cafe outdoors in Paris and he stood up and screamed and, and yelled and started flipping tables over as he ran away, ran away. And so I'm not running after him to cast the devil out of him. We had that in Boston. I was in Boston coming out of a, uh, we, they were going into a coffee shop. I stayed in the truck. Here comes a woman down the street and she, be, she got closer and closer to my truck and I had dark windows. She couldn't see me and I didn't speak to her. Felt the anointing, screamed, fell on the ground and then jumped up and ran, ran down the street and ran into a bank. And so there are people that want to be say, uh, delivered and there's people that don't want to be delivered. They don't want to be. But if a demon's going to stay around and interact, it's getting cast out. <laughs> Bottom line. If it's going to stay around and interact, it's going to be cast out. You're not going to stay, for example, let's say for, for, for example, the, uh, the example of a church service, you're not staying around in the church service and causing problems and causing distractions. You're going to be cast out, but you can't go around. It's, it's like, it's like uh, salvation. You can't go around forcing everybody to be saved. You can't do that. So in the same way, you can't, it's like, it's like when I was dealing with poor decisions, you can't make people stop making poor decisions. If they enjoy, if they like making those decisions, that's how I like to live. That's how my family's always lived. I can't force you to stop that. If you don't want to stop it, I can tell you the truth. I can preach the principles of God's word. I can do all those things. I can't force you to change. I can't force you to change. I can't force you to be saved. I can't force you to want to be delivered. There's, now let me, let me give you something crazy because we'll deal with it in a minute. There are Christians that are sick that don't have any desire to be healed. Now think about that. And there's multiple reasons for that, but there are, there are Christians who are sick that have no desire to be healed. I was preaching one time in a church and, uh, I was getting ready to pray, uh, for people for healing. And, uh, this woman was in the back on an oxygen tank. And, uh, as I'm preaching, I started to minister to people. Well, she gets up now in this case, the reason she didn't want to be healed is because she was part of a Christian denomination that teaches if you're sick, it's because it's God's will that you are sick. And so she, the reason she didn't want to be healed is because she believed it was God doing that to her. So I'm preaching. I start ministering to people 
And she's now offended that I'm operating in the power of the Holy Ghost because she doesn't believe that that's a thing, thanks to her denomination. And so she gets up in the back offended and she's wheeling out her oxygen tank. And I stopped and I said, sister, before you go, don't leave yet. I, I want to pray for you. And uh, God's got, God's got a blessing for you. And she says, uh, so the whole crowd, God gives me everything I need. That's her answer. The Lord gives me everything I need. And then she, <laughs> so I said, well, there's the door. <laughs> go ahead and go then. See, because really she had a bad spirit about the fact that the Holy Spirit was in operation. She doesn't believe in that. So I said, there's the door. See you later. And she left, huffed out with her oxygen tank. And the pastor, who was not very experienced, not very swift, and, and not very strong, chased out into the parking lot after her, and she wasn't even a member of his church to apologize on my behalf. The pastor who wouldn't even listen to any instruction lost two of his churches because he wouldn't listen to something I told him to do. That would have kept him in a place of uh, protection, but he, he didn't listen. So he lost two of his own churches and then went on to a third, running out. Oh, 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 oh. And didn't want to be, the reason she didn't want to be healed, she believed it was God doing it to her because she doesn't understand the Bible. And so there are people that don't even want to be healed. They think it's holy to be sick. So I can't force someone to be healed if they don't want to be healed. You can't force people beyond their will. Simply can't do it. So notice here, this unclean spirit. And again, there are unclean spirits that will try to attack or come upon a believer. And you've got to take authority over it. You have to take authority over it. It's really interesting because here, and we can keep reading, but Mark chapter five is another uh, incident, incident where Jesus deals with the man with a legion of demons, unclean spirit, cutting himself, crying out, violent. Notice what it did for him. This unclean spirit in the man with the legion of demons uh, caused him to become violent. So it caused the boy in Mark 9 to become deaf and dumb, but it caused the man in Mark 5 to become extremely violent, so violent that he could not stay in his own city. They cast him out of his own city, made him go live in a graveyard. So look at how this unclean spirit manifested in several different people. Caused one to be deaf and dumb, caused another to be, another to be extremely violent. And as we covered yesterday, and I believe AJ Bible put it in the comments, Dr. Sumrall, uh, Lester Sumrall, used to teach that people that would perform acts of violence, unprovoked murder, things like that, were filled with a demon spirit. And of course, I would agree. It's like this man, uncommonly violent, because he's filled with a demon. I'll tell you something, you look at these, uh, if you've ever watched any documentaries on serial killers, I have no question in my mind, they're demon possessed. No question in my mind, demon possessed. In fact, if you listen to some of the things that they say later on in the documentaries that maybe if they're being interviewed in prison or whatever, one of the things they'll say is, well, you know, um, I, st I, I kept doing this and this and this, uh, and, and it started to, I, I don't know what came over me. Oh, you don't ask me. I know what came over you. 
It's a demon spirit. And it always starts small. That unclean, violent thing starts small. They kill animals. They kill, you know, whatever. Then it, whatever, whatever it might be. And then it grows into people. Not satisfied. First they hurt animals. Then they kill animals. Then they go on to, well, that's not enough anymore for that spirit that's vile, that unclean spirit. So now they got to kill a person. Then multiple people. See? And it's demon. And if you watch these, even in their court cases, I watched one who got saved in jail, became a Christian in jail. Uh, I looked at their eyes during their court case, looked at their eyes. You just look in their eyes and it's like looking at a crazed lunatic or looking at a person of pure evil, looking at a person that's, it almost looks like, yeah, that's a good way to put it in the comments, like a black void. You look at those, you, it's, it's like, they're just like, and then you see them later after they've been saved, like I saw one and it looked, he looked like a completely different guy, like a completely different guy. Why? He's demonized. He was demonized. Those things aren't natural. They're not normal. They're not normal. And, and the reason people deal with this stuff is because it's an unclean spirit that's gotten a hold of unsaved people and has filled them, possessed them to do wicked things. You can take authority over that. You can cast it out. What I'm trying to show you about some of these things is that there's not just one manifestation. There's not just one reaction. You can see it. Unclean spirits. Multiple things you can see from that. Uh, flip back a couple chapters to uh, Mark chapter 7. Here's a woman who comes to Jesus wanting her daughter to be healed. And she said, I need you to heal my daughter, uh, an unclean spirit is in my daughter. And so here's a, a girl that needs a healing. So whatever it was that was on her daughter caused her to be sick or infirm. So here's one deaf and dumb. Here's another violent actions. Here's another sickness or disease. So there's multiple areas where this, this can manifest, but literally it can be cast out and taken authority over. You know, one of the things that pulls Christians out of the presence of God is yielding to the, it's not that they're possessed by demons. I'm not teaching that. Of course, you know, we don't believe that, but yielding to the suggestions, not just of the flesh, not just of the flesh, but of unclean spirits that are at work in the earth, at work in the earth. There are things that, you know, really the Bible says there's, there are things that are so wicked that they shouldn't even be talked about. So there's things I'm not even going to talk about on this broadcast, but there are things that people do that maybe they're not demon possessed when they begin, but it opens the door to demon possession later on wicked things. And I'm sure you can think of some of the things that I'm talking about. There are things that natural people wouldn't even think to do, but that spirit, that unclean spirit would lead you to do it. And if you yield to the suggestion of that unclean spirit, 
you better be careful because you open yourself up for possession. And I'm not one of those people that doesn't believe you can uh, not lose your salvation. I believe you can lose your salvation. I believe you can walk away from God. I believe you can become an apostate, a reprobate. Paul taught it. Paul taught it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, if I don't keep my body under on a daily basis, then after having preached to others, I myself could become a castaway, a reprobate, disqualified. So Paul taught it. Paul understood that, that you've got to stay on track with what God wants you to do. Otherwise, if you don't keep yourself in subjection to the word of God, you can lose or walk away from. It's not that God takes it from you. It's that you leave it behind to go do your own thing. God's not going to force you against your will. He will not force you against your will. And so an unclean spirit is number eight. Number nine, let me give you this. Can I tell you how many people come up to me at the altar? How many people come up to me at the altar and say, will you pray for my pornography addiction? They are literally addicted like they would be a drug or alcohol or anything else to pornography, addicted to it, cannot stop looking at it. Well, I believe that that is literally um, brought on by the suggestion of an unclean spirit. We had one guy, we were in Pennsylvania, he couldn't even wait till the end. My father was actually preaching in that service and he shouted out from the back and came forward for prayer. He shouted that out from the back during the preaching, wanted to be delivered from it. And so, yes, I believe that people are addicted. It's not a natural addiction as far as, you know, there's... You know, I know they try to explain it and say, well, you know, it releases the same chemicals in the brain as, as some drugs do and things like that. But you understand that there is an evil spirit at work in the earth that wants to destroy men and women. Let me give you number nine. Because I see it happen all the time. And again, I'm not saying that these things possess. For example, here in Luke 13, I don't believe this is speaking of possession at all. This is a woman that is in Abrahamic covenant. Go to uh, Luke chapter 13. Number nine is a spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity. And we're not looking at a woman who's possessed by a demon. Here's a woman that's being attacked by a spirit of infirmity or what the ESV calls a disabling spirit. She's crippled. She's totally crippled up. Spirit of infirmity. So this woman's crippled. There's others that are made sick by it. A spirit of infirmity. How many Christians do you see that are sick? And it's like the thing just came upon them. They're, you know, these things are real. These things are real. You look at somebody that's eaten healthy their entire life, never smoked, none of that. I'm talking about Christians. And then all of a sudden they get this thing, they come down with cancer. Where's that come from? Dr. Oral Roberts believed all cancer is a spirit of infirmity. It's a spirit. It has to be cast out. And so here we see a woman, Luke chapter 13. 
Listen to what the Bible says. I'll start with verse 10, Luke 13, 10. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue was indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath and said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days to be healed, not the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, now here's an important point that I want you to get. Verse 16, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Notice what Jesus is saying. It's not right that this woman who is in covenant with my father be bound by a spirit of infirmity. It's not right. Now notice, this is the first time Jesus had ever been made aware of her situation. If he'd have known about it earlier, he'd have healed her earlier. She was in covenant with the father. It's a daughter of Abraham. He said, it's not right. It is not right that this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be bound up with this spirit of infirmity. Let me just say something to you, and I want you to write it in the comments. It is not right that any child of God be attacked by any spirit and suffer from an attack from any evil spirit. Put that in the comments. It is not right that a child of God suffer at the hands of an evil spirit. Put it in the, that's the best way I can think to write it. It's not right that a child of God suffer at the hands of an evil spirit. It's not right. And that's the point Jesus is making. She's a daughter of Abraham. She should not be dealing with this. You want me to wait for a whole nother day, another time before she's set free? Think of how hypocritical these guys were. Rather than see a covenant woman be healed, they would rather that she continue to suffer under a spirit of infirmity so that their little religious mindset could be appeased. Wicked and hypocritical. Wicked. It is not right, Jesus said. She's a daughter of Abraham. You think I should wait? Meanwhile, you guys are out there doing work on the Sabbath and you act like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting thing. And this is something that's kind of historical, but you know, on the Sabbath day, you weren't allowed to do any work. Uh, there were some things you could do. You could bring, uh, you could bring your animal to your house. And so they, this is so crooked. If somebody wanted to make a journey on the Sabbath day to go somewhere that was further away, they would have the day before um, a servant or someone take rocks from their property and make like a trail, like checkpoint trails 
to the place they wanted to go. So that the next day on the Sabbath when they would travel, they could take their animal from one rock to the next because, oh, that's my property. Oh, that's my property. Oh, that's my property. I'm not breaking the law of Moses. Oh, that's my property. Wh- hypocrites. Hypocrites. It's like this one denomination that I'm familiar with that, you know, if you're a preacher in this denomination, then you're not supposed to have cable television in your home or satellite television. It's legalistic, so they don't want they don't, to be an ordained minister of that denomination. You can't have cable TV, can't have satellite TV, whatever. And so you know what they'll do before they go to get their ordination papers? Because they ask you, do you have cable TV? Do you have satellite TV? No. I had one guy tell me, he said, one, one dude told me, he said, hey, when you go in to get your papers, before you leave your house, just go outside and disconnect the cable uh, from, from, the, from the house. Disconnect the cable. And then go and when they ask you, do you have cable? Say, actually, no. And you'll be still telling the truth because at that moment, you don't have it. You, you, uh, you disconnected it. And then when you go back home, just reconnect the cable to your house. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And it's, it's like, understand something. It's not right. These guys were so religious, so wicked to want this woman to continue to suffer with the spirit of infirmity. And I'm going to pray at the end of this broadcast because I understand that there are people watching me and people that are listening to me, that these things have come at you. They've come against you. That's why I specifically said these things have been harassing believers, not telling you you're possessed by a demon, but I am saying that the enemy will launch fiery darts at you and you're called to lift up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and it will literally quench every fiery dart and then you've got the power to attack the enemy, drive him back by the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. And so you've got the ability to drive the enemy back with the word of God. So I'm going to pray because I know there's people watching me and listening to me that maybe you're battling with a spirit of fear, anxiety attacks. Maybe it's depression, chronic depression, suicidal thoughts. It's a spirit of fear and heaviness has to come off by the power of God should not be harassing your life. Maybe there's people that are listening to me or watching me that you've battled an unclean spirit that's tried to come against you. Unclean spirit to try to come against you. Cast it out by the power of the Holy Ghost. Command it to go. Command it to go. I have people watching that, you know, their children, uh, they've actually written me. I've had people write me, would you pray for my son? He's not sure whether or not he's homosexual. Pray for my daughter. She's not sure whether or not she's a lesbian. Now I'm having people write me, pray for my son, pray for my daughter. They're not sure which gender they are. They think they're another gender. They think they're this or that. And we're not going to allow an unclean spirit take a hold of our children or harass our households. We're not allowing it. We've got the power of the Holy Ghost. We've got the power of God's word. And we're going to stand in faith and see these things loose their grip in Jesus' name. There's people watching me today that you're battling sickness and disease in your body. The enemy has attacked you with a spirit of infirmity, has attacked you with a a spirit that tries to steal your health, steal your strength. We're coming against it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna take authority over it by the power of God and ask the Lord to touch you today and set you free. So whatever 
that it is you're believing for, I want you to join your faith with me as we're getting ready to pray. And I want you to receive this prayer by faith because hear what I'm saying. The devil does not have a right to touch the children of God. He's trespassing on God's property. Your, listen to me when I say this, Paul taught this to the Corinthians, your body is owned by God. He bought it with the blood of Jesus. That's why the Bible says we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Who bought us? Jesus did. He paid the price. The blood of Jesus purchased us. And so now if we belong to God, then guess what? The devil, if he tries to touch us, is trespassing on God's property. And you've got to think of it that way. And you need to get offended about it in that way. And if the enemy tries to touch you or your family, think of it that way. You're trespassing on God's property. Amen. And so let me pray for those of you that are watching and listening. I'm going to ask the Lord to touch you today. So Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And right now, I take authority over a spirit of fear and anxiety a spirit of heaviness and depression. And I take authority over it and command it to loose its grip and leave you today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I lose peace and I lose joy to every man, every woman that's watching or listening. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost in the mighty name of Jesus. Depression has to go. Anxiety attacks have to go. Panic attacks have to go. Suicidal thoughts have to go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Secondly, I take authority over an unclean spirit, spirit of perversion that would try to come upon you, your children, your household, and I rebuke it today and command it to go and command it to loose its grip and hold on your children, on your family, on your household, in Jesus name, in Jesus name, be free by the power of the Holy ghost. And then finally, Lord, I pray for every person that's suffering in their body today, sickness or disease, those that have been battling health problems, crippled conditions, issues in the mind, the brain, whatever it might be, we take authority over sickness and disease in the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we are redeemed from the curse, that these diseases cannot come upon us. We lose healing virtue and healing power to every man, every woman that's watching or listening today. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord. We, we say it, you'll get all the glory, you'll get all the honor, and you'll get all the praise for every miracle, every sign, every wonder, every healing. Only you can do these things and we give you glory and praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe that and receive that prayer, I want you to throw some fire in the comments section, throw some hands up in the comments section if you receive it and believe it today in Jesus name, hallelujah. We call it done, we call it done. And so that's the nine spirits that have to be dealt with that I was gonna deal with from yesterday and today. If you missed yesterday, go back and watch. Tomorrow, our Friday broadcast 
is a question and answer broadcast, and I may touch on some other loose ends that I have here in the, in the series, but we want to answer your questions. And if you have not uh, gotten your questions answered, but would like them to be, please send your questions to miracleword.com forward slash question. We have a form on that page that you can fill out and send it to us. I would prefer to do it that way where I can read it, it's printed out for me, rather than trying to keep up with every question in the comments uh, section tomorrow as, as we're going through it. So uh, please, please send your questions for tomorrow at that link that you see on the screen. That way we can print them out. Let me encourage those of you that are watching today on this Thursday, I'm asking you to hear the voice of the Lord and to sow a seed by faith. At miracleword.com, you can sow a seed by credit or debit card. And all of the ways to give are found there at miracleword.com as well. And uh, I want to ask you to partner with us on a monthly basis. And uh, I agree, Lynn She said, we need some fiery music at the end soon. I agree with you. I, I don't know if you have that I'm a Pentecostal or power. Do you have any, either of those ready? I want to hear power if we have it ready. I love that song. Um, but I want to encourage you to sow a seed and I want to encourage you to sow by faith, believing for increase. I am totally believing. You know what the word of the Lord was for us in 2021? We're going to run in 2021. We're going to run in every area of life. I'm going to run. And there, and here was the word we got that we will outrun the enemies of our soul and our life in 2021. That means we'll outrun sickness and disease, we'll outrun poverty and lack, we'll outrun depression and anxiety, we'll outrun every attack against our lives from the devil. We're running in the power of the Holy Ghost. And so I want you to believe with me that this is your year of financial increase like you've never seen. And that comes by sowing a seed by faith. And so we want, we want you to sow a seed today. Cash app's available, PayPal. Hashtag donate if you're on Facebook or Twitter. Zell transfers. It's all on the website. Um, Elizabeth, you have to put the word donate. So the hashtag symbol, the word donate, and then 50. And thank you for sowing that seed. Somebody follow Elizabeth's example and, uh, and, and sow your seed today. For those of you that are standing with us in partnership in the month of May, we're sending you Dr. Cho's book entitled Prayer That Brings Revival. Um, for $85 or more, those that are sewing to partner for this month, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form, and we'll send you this book. For those that are sewing $1,000 or more, we're sending you the Life Application Study Bible as well, Genuine Leather, New Living Translation. Uh, no spaces, Elizabeth, by the way. Look at how Carol did it. Follow Carol's example. Uh, that's how you do it. Um, and thank you again for sowing your seed. And then for those that are sewing $5,000 or more, we've got the Elite Study Collection that's going to be coming to you very soon. My favorite things, all in one box. And uh, you're going to love this. It's very, very well done. It looks beautiful and uh, you'll enjoy it very much. Five of the best resources you could possibly have to go deeper in Bible study. It's going to be awesome. Now listen, tomorrow once again is our question and answer session at 1030. And then tomorrow at 2 p.m., Carolyn's going to be back live again. You're not going to want to miss that, especially tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if she's announced it yet, but it's favorites Friday. She did announce it. Thank God. Okay. So I didn't blow the, blow the top, but it's favorites Friday or are we calling it Friday favorites? Which one is it? 
It's Friday favorites. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that tomorrow, 2 p.m. with Carolyn. And uh, the, the uh, tent meeting starts Sunday in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Thank you, Jeanette. And I'm so excited about this. Of course, if you've been following the news, uh, there's been unrest. There's been all kinds of things going on. But even the city officials are happy that the tent's getting ready to be set up. And we're going to have revival in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. All the details are on the website. If you'd like to join us in Elizabeth City or after, the week after, in Buffalo, New York, or uh, shortly after that in Horseheads, New York, all the information's on the website. We'd love to see you live in one of these services. They're going to be powerful. And uh, so we're very, very excited about that. So tomorrow Q&A, tomorrow afternoon, Carolyn's live, and uh, it's going to be great. Don't forget to get your questions in. We love you guys. If you've not gotten our brand new magazine, and I can't believe it, but now... Um, we're almost coming up to the summer edition of Miracle Word magazine that getting, getting ready to be released. But if you'd like to receive this in your home, go to miracleword.com forward slash live and you can fill out the form. We'll send you Miracle Word magazine every time it's released quarterly. It comes out once a quarter and uh, you'll enjoy getting that in your home. And if you're overseas, we will send you a digital copy of the magazine. Uh, that you can get as well. So we love you guys very much. If you didn't get a chance to check out the new kids videos uh, and stuff that's going on yesterday, a brand new kids video was up on self-control. And uh, these have been so, so good with Alex and Maddie and um, Maddie and Maddie. And a special new guest is coming very soon. We won't say who it is, but all of the kids content can be found on the app, which is free in all app stores. And you can get it for your phone, tablet, or uh, mobile device, I guess I should say, because I, I guess it's available on iPods too. And um, get it, all the kids content, all the TV content, Miracle Word Radio, there's so much in there for free. You'll enjoy it. I love you guys, have a great day. We're leaving with Power. This is Indiana Bible College singing Power by Eddie James. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.